order is going here, I see, and uh, I'm glad to be here with you. I've known Neil since, when we were talking about that on the way up, how long? 70, since 70, 75? He was only four. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it does, uh, I think it does tell you, we, uh, I came in, uh, Friday, uh, Wednesday about noon, and it, we immediately were talking about really substantive things. And, you know, we've had a lot of laughs the last couple of days, but it, it reminds me that geography does not have to affect friendship. You know, a lot of people, once you kind of leave, you know, your USC environment here, you may scatter literally all over the world, some of you, um, but, but the friends you make, geography does not have to affect those friendships. Uh, you have to work at it to get together. But, uh, you know, and I hope you guys uh, remember that. I'm going to actually speak a little more deeper about uh, relationships um, tomorrow. But tonight, I know you guys are got altitude, uh, the bends. Oh, no, that's when you go down. Uh, whatever altitude sickness is, uh, hypoxia, I think. I hope you're drinking plenty of water because uh, some of you may get uh, some pretty serious headaches. And altitude-induced headaches are really hard to get rid of. So, uh, you know, water helps that. Well, that's my uh, father, Bob, comment of the evening. Um, but um, I went to my first retreat in 1967. Uh, I was a junior in college. And um, I've been going to them ever since. And they're really, really special. You know, not many people in the whole world get a chance to, to do what you guys are doing these next three days. And it could be that uh, there's going to be some real transformation happening in your hearts. And uh, it could be really be life-changing. And, and some of you, I would suspect, will look back on this weekend with, as a true turning point in your life. But, but all of you should, should, should hear things either through the worship uh, through the messages, through each other, through the workshops, that will really be stakes that God will will drive deeply into your life, and you'll you'll draw on that ten years from now, twenty years from now, thirty years. One one thing that uh, I do uh, when I come to a retreat, and I've done this for years, it pray, is pray that God would give me one thing that I can take away and really apply and be uh, life-changing for me. One thing, I remember about probably 20 years ago when the passion movement with Giglio started, uh, we took a group down. and So going into this conference, you know, there were some big gun speakers and, and, and incredible worship and Matt Redwin was there. And, uh, you know, it was really a first-class conference and I prayed for one thing, and here's the one thing I got. Before one of the messages, they showed a five-minute uh, video on Tibet. 
And I'd never been to Tibet. I'd never met anyone from Tibet. I'd never read anything about Tibet. I did not even know where it was on a map. I knew it was somewhere around China, but I, I, you know, I could not tell you anything about it. But, but they show this five-minute video about the, the spiritual needs of the Tibet people. And uh, that's what captured me at that, that conference. And I felt God leading me to pray for Tibet every day for the next year. And I got a, a little uh, kind of a, a prayer uh, book on, on, on the countries of the world, but I zeroed in on Tibet. And so from that night, for the next 365 days, I prayed every day for Tibet. I had a little card in my Bible and a few requests. And at the end of that year, um, I can tell you one thing for sure. I still hadn't met anyone from Tibet. I had been to Tibet. I knew more about Tibet, but I loved the people of Tibet. I did. And I'd never met them. And it was uh, transforming for me. And, um, you know, since then I've had uh, more opportunities to pray for, for Tibet. But that was the one thing I got for that conference. And I would encourage you all, you know, just this first uh, evening together to really pray that God would give you one thing. Now, God may do a lot of other things. You may hear a half a dozen things that you can really apply and, and uh, to your lives. But at least one that... A, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, God will continue to be stirring in your life. And, uh, you know, I think God will, will use that. So uh, tonight, I'm, I'm not going to be real, real heavy duty on, on a talk. I'm, I'm mainly going to talk about my life because um, when I was a college student, I came into college... Uh, with uh, no commitment to Jesus. Uh, I was very shallow in relationships. In fact, I didn't have any, any what I call close friends. I had no sense of wanting to grow. I had no vision, certainly no vision for my life. And I never had any ministry. Um, but and I came to OU because I got a track scholarship. I was good enough in, in running the mile and the two mile, the distance runner in high school, that I, I got a scholarship. And I went to OU because they offered me a scholarship. Uh, I, I had checked in with Arkansas and the University of Tulsa and, and Kansas and Kansas State, but they didn't want me. I wasn't that good. But Oklahoma... <laughs> I, desperately needed some distance runners, so they invited me to come, and they gave me uh, about an 85% scholarship, which was a lot of money for me. And um, so that's how I ended up at, at OU. Um, so I, but I arrived at OU, I, I brought a lot of things with me, and even though I only brought physically a pillow, uh, a sack with a transistor radio and some hangers and some hanging clothes and one suitcase. And that is all I brought. You couldn't nail anything on the wall. You couldn't arrange any furniture. Um, 
There was uh, two beds in there, a, a two small desk, and two small lamps, and two little cubby holes to hang your clothes. And, and so that's what the physical things I brought to OU. But the, the other things I brought was my upbringing and my family, and every one of you brings uh, a history when you come to college. Uh, every one of you has a mom and a dad. You may not know them. Like a friend of mine never knew her dad. Uh, your parents may be separated. My parents met in the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. In fact, I was born in America, but not in a state. I was born in the District of Columbia. So on my passport it says, uh, District of Columbia, USA. And, uh, you know, probably none of you have been, uh, been born in the District of Columbia, but I was. My mom was off of a cotton farm in Arkansas, a very subsistence uh, farm. She had never been out of the county until she was 17 when she got on a troop train at the beginning of World War II and, and went all the way to Washington, D.C. You talk about like going around the world. Uh, that was a leap for her when she was 17. Uh, my dad had very crippling polio when he was a, a youngster. In fact, the only way he survived was uh, being basically living in what was called an iron lung, the uh, modern-day forerunner of a respirator, and when he was uh, about 10 or, you know, 10 or 11 in there. But they ended up in, in the Pentagon and fell in love and got married, and I was born. And uh, they never, my dad never made much money, so I, um, I had to really kind of scrounge for every dime I had. Now, some of you, you know, getting here, God has provided, or some of you may, your parents may be footing the bill for college, some of you are having to work, some of you are having to scrounge for scholarships. There's a, a broad spectrum in here, and when I was growing up, if I like had wanted to go to the Saturday movies, I would go out and hunt for Coke bottles to go to to get enough to go trade them in, get a quarter, and go to the movie. And that and so I was always kind of ashamed of my mom and dad. They were wonderful people, but I just you know I my friends had parents that were well off and they were healthy and they could play little league ball and all that. And my parents couldn't do that. So I brought that into, into college. And, and, and you bring things into college and you have to kind of factor that in a little bit. And, uh, and you know, regardless of, of, of the things you're exposed to in college, like retreats like this, you do bring who you've been over the years into college. And so, and so I did that. But... Uh, my college years, um, I want to I talk just a few minutes about them because uh, you bring things into college, but how you leave is the key. And these college years is going to set a, a trajectory for your life. And, and, and believe me, I don't know of any time in your life that's more important than these years. You're at the height of your learning curve. You're at the height of your energy. You're at the height of your opportunities. And, and, 
And, and, you know, when Jesus called the disciples, they were your age or maybe even younger because Jesus wanted those guys young and ready to go and ready to be attentive and responsive to God. So I have four little things that I feel God did in, in my life as a college student. And tomorrow morning, tomorrow after evening and Sunday morning, I'm going to kind of flesh these out a little bit in more detail and more kind of a formal message. But the first thing is that uh, I want to talk about surrender. And um, I had to come to a point of, of true surrender to the Lord. I, I had grown up uh, kind of being around Christianity, but I had no commitment in my heart. And wh what happened to me is that uh, after at the end of my freshman year, I went to... Uh, Rocky Mountain National Park in, in Colorado. I worked for the Department of Interior, the National Park Service. I worked on trails and uh, repairing them and getting them ready for the summer. And that's what I did. Well, one uh, evening, I went down to the, the middle of, of Estes Park where there's kind of a town square and there was a high school group there, uh, like a young life group and they were singing uh, a couple of them had guitars and, and like we were singing a while ago uh, the this modern songs way back then which were different than today obviously but I was, I was standing off to the side and uh, watching these 15, 16 year olds sing and then when they finished they went out and mingled with probably a group about this side of tourists and Estes Park folks, and just talked about what Jesus meant to them. And I'm sitting there watching this, and I think, you know, God isn't real to me like he is to these young high school students. I'm a college student, and, and they have more interest and more energy to walk with God than, than I ever had. Well, I got to know a couple of them, and they invited me to their uh, camp up above Estes Park, they were uh, camping out, and they sat around a bonfire. And they went around, and about there were about eight of them, and they shared what Jesus had done in their life that day, and how he had answered prayer. They had prayed for things at the beginning of the day, and how he had answered prayer. And I, you know, I'm stunned. It was taking my breath away. I, you know, if you can imagine this scene, this campfire, and I'm kind of watching them go around and talk about what the Lord had done in them. I, I'm glad they didn't call on me because I would have had nothing to say. I'd have had to make up some lie to do it. Well, I went back to um, my cabin and I got down on my knees and I uh, basically said, God, I have lived for myself, but I want to live for you and whatever that means. And I give you my life. And that was after my freshman year in college. And, you know, that's my story of surrender. And a, a couple of verses really spoke to my heart uh, that summer. One was Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And so I began a journey of seeking first God. He became not only real to me, but
but first in my life. And I was, uh, let's see, I was 18 uh, at the time. And another verse that, that spoke to me that summer was Mark 1.17. Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And those two verses just kind of rung, rung out to, uh, rang out to me. Um, now, each one of you have a story of surrender. Or God wants you to have a story of surrender. And you may have, have come here tonight with kind of like me, you kind of generally hung around the Christian life. Um, maybe your parents went to church. And you've kind of, kind of generally just kind of um, floated along. And, and just being enough spiritually minded to kind of get by. Well, God wants you to surrender your life to Him. And uh, like, I, not like, maybe like, it might be different than me, but where you make a transcend, transaction with God and say, Lord, I want to be totally yours. Because the problem with most people that say they're believers is God has a part of their life and their job has a part of their life and their activities have a part of their life. Their possessions have a part of their life. You know, their hobbies have a part of their life. Their friends have a part of their life. And it's like, you know, Jesus wants to be the very center of, of every one of these areas of your life. And no better way to start that than as a college student. So surrender. Um, God did that in my heart as a college student. Um, the second thing is, is growth. Uh, not only did I surrender my life to Christ, choose Him, first of all, but He wanted me to grow. There's a verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 1.9, and it was a meaningful to me in, in college, one of the first verses, verses I ever really got acquainted with. God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, is faithful. Now, now catch that it says God has called you into fellowship. So not one of us uh, here in this room can circumvent this reality that God has called you into fellowship. So my question tonight as we begin our retreat together, are you in fellowship with Jesus? Because that is, that is God's calling to you. Now, you know, in your future, God may call some of you to do this, to be teachers, you know, to be uh, moms, to be engineers, maybe to go overseas and do something. You know, the, there's different specific callings, but you can be assured of one thing. God has called every one of us. We cannot deflect that and really be a part of who God wants us to be. God has called you in the fellowship. And, and I don't know if there's any other reality more incredible than that. I mean, the God of the universe has called you and me in the fellowship. Not only for all of eternity, but for right now. 
and, and you think of the sweetest uh, friendship you have, or maybe you're really close to your family, God has called you even more into fellowship. Another verse that's been meaningful to me is Philippians 3.10. I want... Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death. You know, the normal part of, of life is just knowing God. And again, my question would be, uh, are you really getting to know Him? Boy, these college years, uh, you know, if you, if you can't establish um, the posture and the journey with God, that closeness with Jesus, as a college student, you're going to be hard-pressed to do it in the push and shove of the workaday world where everything is fine for your time and uh, you're trying to make do with a job and a neighborhood and church life and family life. And, you know, these are the years... To, to, to begin to grow, to grow in knowing God. And, and so I began to do that. And um, the Bible became um, a real book to me. You know, the Bible, Paul says, the Word of God is living and active. And it became living to me. And I, and I began to read it. Actually, that summer, my freshman year, I'd never read the Bible. I went down to... Uh, the National Guard Armory and uh, got a serviceman's New Testament, a little Gideon Bible. And I didn't even have a Bible and I, and I began to read a chapter a day. I started in, in Matthew. And um, that was in the summer of uh, 1966. And, and I've had a habit of reading a portion of the Bible most every day since then. Now, you know, sometimes I've been uh, sick or, or, or it would be an unusual situation that I wouldn't read it. Now, you might say, well, isn't that kind of like under the law? Yeah, well, you know, I, I can tell you, I'm going to brush my teeth tonight before I go to bed. And it's a normal thing I do because I should do it. And, um, and so I find time to read a portion of the Bible each day. And that's been, you know, really the hallmark of, of my growing uh, as a believer. Um, and prayer, uh, Neil's going to be leading a workshop on prayer tomorrow, and I'll be sharing some about that. But I begin uh, to pray. In fact, uh, uh, I, book, I read a book uh, in college called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. There's actually some for sale over there. And you can see this book, uh, you know, it's kind of, I've probably read this book through maybe a dozen times, maybe more than that. And, but I first read it in college. It's about a young man who, who went to China in, let's see, it would be, he was born in 1832, 1853. He was 21 years old, and he committed his life to sharing the gospel with the Chinese and to push pushing the gospel into the interior of China, which in the, the middle 1800s was unknown. There were some missionaries in uh, Shanghai and Ningpo and, and uh, uh, 
along the coast at the so-called treaty ports that no one was doing anything in the interior. And uh, I began to pray for China as a, as a college student after I read this book. And um, I've prayed for China since uh, probably 1967, and I, I still pray for China today. I, I had a chance to go in 1995, uh, and uh, I was on this train, and I was, I was uh, between uh, Xi'an and Beijing, a 24-hour train. And um, so I was standing in, in, the, in the, the hall, and I was looking out and watching China go by, all the little terrace farms, and, and I was crying because I was, I'd been praying for China for uh, over 30 years and I was there. And I remember praying, God, uh, I would love to do something to help the gospel advance in China. And, and I remember praying that. And, and on the way flying out, we flew out of Hong Kong. Um, it was like God said, I will let you Touch China with my love that it's going to cost you. And the cost is going to be continue to pray and really pray. And I really struggled with, with God. I remember that struggle because I knew what he was asking. And, um, but I committed to pray. And the following summer, uh, I led a team of, of nine people to Dali in China. Uh, considered at the time one of the, the ten... Uh, most unriched megacities in the world at the time. And uh, since then, we probably sent 400 students to China, uh, several long-term, to advance the gospel. And, and so, you know, God began to do that in my heart as a college student. And God wants to do things in your heart that are really going to advance the kingdom. And so don't take these years uh, softly. God really wants to use you in, in incredible ways to advance the gospel. And so, so growing was a, was a big part. There's a verse in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. So that, so that just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, that surrender to Him... Continue to live in Him and rooted and built up in Him. Strengthen in your faith as you are taught and in overflowing with thanksgiving. Um, one other thing God did in my life, surrender and growth, is, is He really got my attention with friendship. Now some of you, I remember, uh, Neil, or Neil was telling me about, Gordon McDonald was with you uh, last year, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about relationships and friendship. I'm talking about it from the college age on. Gordon didn't get his friendship uh, uh, going with these deep friendships. He was probably in his 50s. But, but I started as a college student, and God gave me uh, three friendships, Larry, Jack, and Brett, that we're still good friends. We're close friends. And as I was sharing about Neil, we can talk about anything, anytime. We get together every April, spend four days together. And God wants to do something in, 
in your life in relationships, and it could be that your lifetime friends would really be some of these that are your college buddies. And, uh, and they'll, they'll walk with you through life. And, and I can tell you, I wouldn't be up here today if I didn't have um, the friends that, that God had given me. And in fact, they're praying for our time together tonight. And uh, Jack is in Iowa, and Brett is in Nebraska, and Larry is in Michigan. And uh, besides my wife and, and kids, they're praying for our time together. So uh, friendship is, is, is really key. I, I came to college without having any, any close friends at all. Just like I came to college without any surrender to the Lord. I came to college without any growth in the Lord. I came to college without any real close friends. And when I left college, I had those things, at least the beginning of that movement. Now the final thing I want to share with you is this. Not only surrender, not only growth, not only friends, but uh, God began to do in my work a vision and a purpose for my life. And I'm going to tell you, if um, there's, a, there's a lot of people that go through college and are kind of stirred um, from time to time. They're involved in a Christian ministry. I mean... Those people are, are by the thousands in, in, in campuses all over the, the country. And, um, but what is going to be the, the movement of God through you is if you develop a, a vision and a purpose for your life. And uh, for me, uh, I'll tell you how it started. Uh, God led a, a man to, uh, to the University of Oklahoma, Max Barnett. Some of you have met him or heard of him. And uh, he began to, to talk to us about the strategy of Jesus, where Jesus not only was a great teacher, not only was a great evangelist, uh, you know, uh, not only cared for people and healed people, but he gathered around him a little group of guys and poured into their lives. And when Jesus went to the be, be with the Father, it was up to these guys to keep the gospel moving. And they did. And you and I are, are here tonight because those guys were, were faithful to advance the gospel. And, uh, you know, it could be 10 years from now, there will be people literally all over the world that are loving God because God has used you. And you may end up being a teacher. Uh, some of you know are in ROTC, being in the military. You may be an engineer. You may, may be in medicine. Yeah, some of you may be called to be in, you know, Christian ministry. Uh, that's not the point here. Uh, you know, Peter was a fisherman. And, and Matthew was a business guy. And Barnabas was a farmer. And Paul was a tent maker. But they, but they had vision for God using them. And uh, when you think of those guys, you don't think of fish or uh, tents. You know, you think of how God used them to advance the kingdom. And, and God began in me stirring um, this heart that he wanted to.
to use me to make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And uh, Max invited a, a, a man in. He was a, a campus minister up in Indiana. His name was Jack Holt. And Jack Holt sat around and, and, and myself and Brett Yon, I think one or two were there, and he opened the Bible to Matthew 28 and he said, guys, this is just as much your responsibility as it was the disciples to keep advancing the kingdom, to keep making disciples. And the, and the question is, are you going to be a part of that? And I bought into it by the grace of God. I was, let's see, at the time, 20. And I said, God, use me. And I remember going home and praying, God, would you give me one person that I could help grow. I've never helped anyone to grow. I'd actually tried to lead a Bible study one time. Um, my first semester as a sophomore, there were four people in it. The first week, four showed up. The second week, three showed up. The third week, two showed up. The fourth week, one showed up. And the fifth week, there was no more Bible study. That was my introduction to ministry. And so some of you have had lousy experiences, like in leading small groups or maybe in trying to help someone. I was a dismal failure my first time. I, I kid you not. But uh, when Jack Holt shared that, I prayed, God, would you give me one person? And I remember I got down on my knees, and this, this sounds really like a tele-evangelist story, I know, so forgive me, but I was, this really happened, I'm not embellishing this, I was on my knees praying, God, I don't know where to start, would you give me one person that I could help grow and uh, help point to you? I didn't know hardly anything about it, but I, at least I thought, well, I could read the Bible with them, and I didn't know anything past that. Well, I was still there. I had just got up, and there was this knock on the door, and it was Eddie Benson. He lived upstairs in, uh, in uh, Cross uh, Dormitory at OU, and um, he said, Bob, I'm, uh, I met you at, at our campus meeting, and uh, I, I learned that you lived in, in my dorm, and I'm a freshman, and I, I, I want to grow as a Christian. And I don't know much, and I wondered if you would help me. That is true. You know, uh, that is not embellished. That happened. And I think God wants to give you opportunities just to help people move with Him, to help people become a follower of Him. And just like you're trying to, to be a follower, and you don't have to know a lot. You just need to... Believe that Jesus can empower you and, and the Bible is true. And you can open the Bible together and, you know, the staff here can help you know what to do. But it's a vision that God give, gave me and, and, and it has not died to this day. And I still, I'm 67. And that, you know, I, I heard that stuff when I was uh, 19. And I'm 67, I'm still bought into it. And my prayer is that you can be too. And uh, God will use you to really touch the world. So those are my four uh, points of, of uh, my story. I came into college with, you know, not much going for me, really. I'd given my life to athletics. I knew I was headed to probably Vietnam because the Vietnam War was going on. 
my draft number was seven, so I was going to get drafted right out of college, which I ended up going through ROTC uh, to beat the draft, uh, but I still had to go in. And I ended up going to Vietnam, got married. Now, you know, those things of life happen, but behind the scenes, you know, God drew me to surrender to Him, begin a journey of growth and friends and vision. So, you know, that's my prayer for you all. Let's pray together in closing. Lord, uh, thanks for this time uh, with these dear friends, and we do pray that uh, uh, these days together would be eternally significant. And I pray that you would give each one at least one thing that they could apply and that you would use in a transforming way in their lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, so we just have a few quick announcements. Um, first of all, you were all given our